All right, so what's up, family, and happy Sunday to you. Um, so unfortunately, we've come to the final week of us talking about uh, Jesus' call and discipleship as we've been talking about the sermon series, Uncomfortable with the Cost of Following Jesus. So I just want to send a special shout out to you if, if, if you've started with us from week one, if you've made it all the way up to this point, because I know we have talked about some extremely uncomfortable circumstances, especially last week when we talked about how we have to put to death our own selves, our own desires. And we use a very gory picture of that as we looked at the cross that that Jesus carried. So as we're coming to this concluding week, this final week in this sermon series, we're going to be talking about following Jesus, following Jesus. So the first week we talked about what it means to be a disciple. The second week we talked about denying ourselves. The third week we talked about taking up our cross. And finally, here we are right now talking about following Jesus. Now, I know it's been uncomfortable, and this week may get a little uncomfortable, but it's okay because you made it through last week. And the reason why it could be uncomfortable for so many of us is because if you're anything like me, like Fred, you are a type A person and you hate following the orders and directions of other people. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's pride. <laughs> Maybe it's pride. But the fact of the matter is that following someone else, being told what to do can be particularly difficult for a lot of us. Now, again, those, are, those of us who are type A, hard charges, we hate being told what to do and we hate having someone in charge of us. I remember one of my old pastors said, it's hard being a number two when you're a number one. And I felt that deep in my soul. So something about us, us hard charges, type A people, we hate, hate, hate unsolicited advice. We hate for people to give us their unwarranted opinions. Like I didn't ask you for your opinion. And I, even right now, I'm working myself up as I'm even talking about this. But seriously, y'all, if you're married to a person that's type A, if you have any fellowship, leave us alone. We are okay. Listen, we got the Lord leading us and that's good enough for us. So we are, hey, we are all right. And now, as we surrender ourselves to the Lord Jesus, y'all, it's so many blessings in that, especially for those of us who are type A because we learn humility in that. But I know I've already started out with yelling at you like a preacher. But for those of you who don't know me, my name is Fred Gallup, and I'm, I'm one of the pastoral residents here. And I'm so delighted to spend this Sunday worshiping the Lord with y'all. I just want to thank you so much from wherever you're watching and send a special shout out to you especially if you don't believe the same things that we do. I just want to thank you for hearing the preached word of the gospel and even entertaining us long enough just so that you can hear this message, the call to salvation that the Lord Jesus offers. So for as an overview, as I explained earlier, we are currently in a four-part series. We are in the fourth part of a four-part series on the topic of discipleship. So in this sermon series, we will be concluding with following Jesus and especially dealing with one of his most difficult sermons, which is his call to discipleship. So we've been looking at this from a distinctly first century Jewish Christian perspective, and we're seeing what we can take from their time and bring it across to ours because that's how we have to interpret the Bible. So as far as the Bible translation that we're using, as is customary in this place of worship, we'll be utilizing the New Living Translation version of the Bible, the New Living Translation. So with that, our main scripture that has been the main scripture throughout the whole course of this series is Mark chapter 8, 
verse 34. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And it says, Then, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he says, If any of you wants to be my follower or my disciple, you must give up your own way or deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So a big idea for today is extremely simple. The big idea is that we are to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus with everything that we are and everything that we have. We are to follow the Lord Jesus. Now, as I say almost every time I preach, context determines meaning. And then we're going to be exploring following Jesus from a first century Jewish Christian perspective to see what these Christians did with their discipleship as they literally walk with the Lord Jesus. So the Bible is chock full of context that we may often miss out at a precursory glance. And that's why we have to dig in the scriptures to see what we can come up with as we take their experiences and the message that was given to them and we translate it across to our time. So for context sake here, Context. The message of following Jesus. We're going to be describing the message of following Jesus using what's called a parable. A parable. So one of the things I love doing, y'all, is that I absolutely love to teach. I love for, for you to walk away, not only your soul being fed, but intellectually challenged. Now, because we use a lot of words in Christianity um, that sometimes we just assume that other people know. But one thing I don't want to do is pretend that we are all speaking the same language here. So we're going to be dealing with that as we define a word today. And that word is parable. So often we hear it and we say it, but we may not actually know what the word actually means. So by definition, a parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. A simple story utilized to illustrate or a moral or spiritual lesson. So basically, a heavenly message, a parable is a heavenly message that has been revealed in simply and simple earthly illustrations. So Jesus himself, he consistently taught with parables so that his immediate audience could understand his message. So why did he do this? It's simple because the kingdom of God is too great of a concept for us to even begin to understand unless we have someone, namely Jesus, make it, making it plain and simple for us to understand. So Jesus taught about this kingdom and invited people to discipleship in this kingdom through the use of parables. And you know what's interesting about this? This, his teaching in parables, it ultimately fulfilled one of the great prophecies about his person and character. To prove this point in scripture, the apostle Matthew, he was hearkening back to Psalm chapter 78, verse 2. He recounts Jesus' use of parables as fulfilled scripture. Let's look and see what the Bible says about it. So Matthew chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. Again, we're explaining why Jesus taught in parables as we're jumping into a parable to us to understand what it means to follow Jesus. So Matthew chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. It says that Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when he was talking to the crowds or speaking with the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. Never. 
This fulfilled, we're talking about prophecy here. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. See, right there, Matthew is saying that Jesus purposely used parables, which we're going to be utilizing today in order to explain a message about the kingdom of God. So because of this, we're going to be using a famous parable as we're discussing following Jesus and disciple. And the parable is the parable about the kingdom of heaven found in the parable of the great feast housed in Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. Luke chapter 15, verses 15, 14, verses 15 to 24. So, but before I get ahead of myself and before we get there, I want to make sure that we walk away with three essential points um, from this message today. I want you to make sure you walk away with these three things. The first thing is we're talking about following Jesus is that there there are absolutely no excuses. No excuses. The second one is that you are invited No matter what you have done, you were invited no matter what you have done. And lastly, following Jesus gives us purpose. Following Jesus gives us purpose. So for my first point, we're going to be looking at some of the many excuses that you and I, that we give the Lord ourselves and others when we don't want to submit to the Lord's will in our lives. So for my first point, there are no excuses. Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through through 20. Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 20. It should be on your screen. It says, hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it is or what what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. So Jesus, he replied with this story. He said, you know what? A man prepared a great feast and he sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests. He said, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began what? Making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. May I be excused? Another one said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. I got to be out of here. Another one said, I just got married. I cannot come. Deuces. So again, remember to interpret things always within the context that the scriptures present themselves rather than what we want them to say. So with that being said, admittedly, this is a parable about salvation, being invited to the great feast, which is in heaven. But there is so much to take even from this parable about salvation and to extract it and make it about discipleship from this very passage. So let's start by first defining some people and some terms in this parable. So the first one we're going to be defining is the man who prepared a great feast. So the man who prepared a great feast, he is God the Father. God the Father. Next is the feast, which represents heaven or the kingdom of God, either the eternal kingdom of God, either eternal heaven or the kingdom of God as it has invaded earth and it bleeds into eternity. Next, we're going to be talking about the servant. And the servant is just simply the evangelist, the one that goes out and it spreads the good news, the one who is sending out the invitations. Now, the invitations, that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lastly, the invited guests 
are the Hebrew people. Those are the people that Jesus first came to minister to. So now with those terms defined, let's look at their responses to this great invitation to join the Lord. So the first person, he said, you know what? Nah, no can do. I, 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 I can't. I, listen, I, I just bought a field. I can't listen. I hear what you're saying. It sounds good and all, but I can't follow you because I just bought a field. The next person says, you know, yeah, yeah, what what you're selling sounds good. But listen, I just just got some livestock. I just bought some livestock. I, I have to tend to my business. And lastly, the final person said, listen, bro, listen, I just got married and I am trying my best to enjoy the fruits of marriage. I cannot be disturbed right now. But anytime we're looking at the scriptures, one thing I want to do is give the people some grace here because the text does not imply that they were bad people per se. They were simply preoccupied people with the affairs in this life. It doesn't say they were bad. It doesn't talk about their morality. It simply shows that they were preoccupied. So what this means is that you may think that you're good to go with God. You may think that because you're a quote unquote good person, everything's firing on all cylinders, that you have some sort of justifiable excuse to not follow Jesus the way he called you to. But ultimately, all of our excuses are unjustifiable and ultimately invalid. Every single excuse that we have to not follow Jesus does not measure up and it is therefore invalid. So. We, we, we identified who the people were. We identified what the, what the, what the banquet was. So let's, let's look at what the, uh, these excuses represent. So let's look at the first one. The first one says, you know what? Listen, I bought a plot of land and I want to settle down. Now, in the New King Fred version, you know, my own, it translates into, you know what? I'm comfortable here. I got my needs taken care of and I've worked hard for what I got. I just built my dream home and I'm in a place in life where I'm just content. Listen, I can't follow you because, listen, man, I, I worked so hard to get where I am. I can't give this up right now. I mean, I hear what you're saying, Jesus. I hear what you're saying, evangelist. I hear what you're saying, preacher. But listen, man, don't come on, man. Like, I, I just bought a. I, I know you feel me. I know you feel me. The second one says, listen, I, I hear the message. It sounds good. I hear the message that you're talking about. But my life goals, that's my primary focus right now. My life goals. And I have come too far to give that up as I am so close to getting what I worked so hard for. Or another another way we can look at it is, listen, my business is booming right now. I got to chase this money. I'm firing on all cylinders and I cannot give that up because I'm in the prime of my life right now. I can't give that up to follow Jesus. I'm going to have to ask you to wait a little bit. And then the last one, the last one is funny to me because it's pretty obvious. So, dude, he said, listen, dude, I finally got this girl. I've been stuck in the friend zone for the last eight years and I finally got this woman. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Stuck in the friend zone. And he's like, listen, she is mine and I'm finally about to enjoy this beautiful doe that I have chased for all these years, and I'm not letting anything come between me and my wife and the fruits of our marriage. Yeah, I know that you blessed me with this wife and everything. However, listen, you're just going to have to wait, Lord. Allow me to have some fun. Allow me to have some fun because I got what I finally wanted. So 
Now, with all that being said, all of these excuses show that these invited guests, the Hebrew people that Jesus was sent to, they have attachments that they are unwilling to let go of or to put in their proper place in order to follow Jesus. These attachments that they were unwilling to let go of or put in their proper place to follow Jesus. So even though this group was the Hebrew people, you and I, we see some commonalities with them. We see this example in our own lives. And please hear me clearly when I say this. Do not let your blessings from God distract you from the person of Jesus Christ or the, God, the call of God in your life. Now, I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that again. Do not let the blessings of God distract you from the person of Jesus Christ or God's call over your life. Do not take God's blessings and make them into an idol. Again, I must say this again. The text does not imply that they were bad people. They were simply preoccupied people. And this preoccupation with worldly things can be extremely detrimental to our spiritual growth and following the Lord Jesus Christ. So picking back up in the story, what happens when the servant returns to the master and, give it, and gives an account for everything that just transpired? Well, the master rightly becomes furious. And I can only imagine why. And the master's like, listen, I bought all this food. I cleaned up this whole entire house. And y'all just not feeling, are you serious right now? And if you're a parent, you know exactly what the master is talking about here. He said, yeah. You, you know how you get that twitch in your eye when you see your kids wasting food with the hard money that you work for? It's like that. <laughs> you get that little twitch in your eye. You get, you get kind of crazy for a second. It's like, listen, I paid good money for this food. You're not about to sit here and finish. You're not about to sit here or you're not about to get up until you finish your food or until I'm tired of watching you eat. That's the only time that you're going to be getting up. And then, you know, especially in black households, like, man, kids always want to go to McDonald's. I'm sure that's across the uh, racial lines and everything. But the funny part is in black households, you know, be like, hey, hey, dad, hey, mom, can we go to McDonald's? And the parents like, you got some McDonald's money? <laughs> you got some McDonald's money? But in response to that rejection, the master says, you know what? Cool. If they don't want to come servant, don't even bother them. I want you to go out and invite the people who have made a bunch of mistakes, not the ones that measure up to these folks in their own eyes, but invite the ones who have made a bunch of mistakes. I want you to I want you to invite those who can't forgive themselves. And I want you to invite those whom society has thrown away because they have a home with me. So that brings me to my next point that number two, you are invited to this feast no matter what you have done. You are invited no matter what you have done. So Luke chapter 14, verse 21, it says the servant returned and he told his master what they had said. And the master was furious and it said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys. Key right there. Streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Go into the streets and invite those that we have thrown away. 
So now the whole reason why you and I as non-Hebrew people, non-Jewish people to eat, the reason why we even get a chance to be in this faith is because the Jewish people of old, they rejected the Lord Jesus as just for the reasons that we spoke about in week one about Jesus not meeting their expectations about who the Messiah was. But this was always a part of God's plan of redemption for all people whom the father drew. No matter what you no matter what you have done, no matter who you are, God sent Jesus to die for you. And you will be accepted in Christ if you will simply place your faith in Jesus. So the people from the streets and alleys, like we said earlier, those are the ones that you and I, we throw away. The people who are thrown away. The ones who have who haven't had the same opportunities that everyone else has had. They're the ones who have been placed into hopelessness. They're the ones who have been judged. They're the ones who have been abused and found themselves in unfortunate circumstances that have not been able to claw themselves out or scratch their way out. And the, but the beautiful things about this is that even though you and I may overlook such people, which we should not do. God has says, I see you exactly where you are and I love you. That way, that's why I sent my son to reach out to you. So now with that, we're talking about other people, but that broken person, it might even be you. The broken person, it might even be you. You may be the person that was abused, neglected, taken advantage of and ignored. But God says, listen, I see you. I have always seen you and I love you. While you have been rejected by the people, even if they claim that they love you, while you have been rejected by those who were supposed to most firmly grasp you and tell you I love you, I want you to understand that I have a plan and a purpose for your life. Your life is not wasted. You are not an accident. You are affirmed that I will never leave you, nor will I ever fail you. I love you with an infinite love and you are accepted with me. God says, I invite you in and I invite you to follow me where you will find only love and acceptance from me, regardless of what other people have done to you. So, y'all, yes, you, the one who made mistakes. This is a forgiven faith. We have a forgiven God and God was not surprised by your mistakes. Your mistakes did not catch God off guard and he isn't reserving some special type of judgment for you specifically. No, all he asks is that you would simply detach yourself from your own condemnation because that's the only thing right now that's keeping you crippled, blind and lame. Your own self-condemnation is keeping you in a place where you have shielded yourself from all forms of love and God says, I have come to remove that. I will take your ashes. I will take your shame and I will give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Listen, God, he is the ultimate restorer and he looks to put the broken pieces of our lives back together again as he takes this broken pottery and he makes it into beautiful artwork. As a matter of fact, let's look and see what Jesus says. Matthew chapter five, verse three in the Beatitudes, it says, God 
blesses those who are poor or another translation say poor in spirit and they realize their need for him. God blesses the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So this right here is a beautiful truth. And there are some of us. Listen, this is going to sound so wild, but some of us, God had to break up our pride, our attachments to this world and our self-sufficiency because we, myself included, we were too hard headed to get the point. But that overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God that we sing about here, it shows up in ways that we didn't see it coming, y'all. There is no wall that God won't kick down to chase after you and I. That's how much that he loves us. So your debased situation, it could very well be God stripping away of all the idols in your life to draw you in by that reckless love and removing all of those obstacles that you can more clearly see him and follow him the way that he wants you to follow him. You have nothing else to lose in this case. You only have everything else to gain. So the only thing you may be clinging to is your own self-pity in this situation. And you have made, you maybe have even made that into a security blanket. And you push people away with it to justify the trust issues that you have. To justify that, listen, y'all, this is very much so what we do to deal with the pain of our lives, that we embrace the negative things that happen to us a lot of times, that we use that as a heart and shell. But God says, I have come to break through that. And God may very well be using that as a way to humble you. And in that humility, you and I, we find grace, grace to follow the Lord Jesus. So we thank you, Lord, for that grace, because God is a restorer of what has been broken. Now, for my last point, following Jesus it gives us purpose. Following Jesus, it gives us purpose. So Luke chapter 14, verses 22 through 24, it says, after the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. There is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges, Basically, go to Wyoming and urge anyone you have, anyone you find to come so that my house will be full for none of those that I invited first. None of the ones I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet because they rejected it. And if that and if it wasn't enough, Jesus says, listen, y'all. There is still room for more. I got so many mansions stored up for you and I got plenty of room. There is room for you. And then here's the crazy part. You cannot worry about fixing yourself up so that you can fit into this kingdom. The Lord says, don't worry about that. Just simply follow me. So when we're talking about this last group that from the passage that we just read, these are the true outsiders, the people that really didn't fit in. Like, for example, me, <laughs> the dude from Virginia who speaks in slang and currently lives in Wyoming. It's like, God, what were you doing by sending us here? So the 
people that don't fit the mold of what's appropriate and proper. Those who color outside of the lines. God wants you too, and he wants to use your gifts, your personality, your talents, everything, because he created those things in you to glorify him with. Other people don't get to dictate God's blessings and his gifts that he gave you because those are from God so that you could be a blessing to other people. Now, if other people can't accept you in that, then guess what? Man, so what? You are called to follow Jesus, not to emulate and model somebody else. So once you have been born again, <laughs> once you have been born again, you and I, we are being conformed into the image of Christ. So once that happens, as you're being conformed to the image of Christ, God affirms you and he wants to use what he gave you to glorify himself with. So yes, you, even though you may be socially awkward an extreme introvert, yes, you, people like me who are raging extroverts and oftentimes put our foot in our mouths, God can use us too. God has invited you to his banquet to make the party even more alive, y'all. You add color to God's banquet. So with all this purpose and with all this identity in Christ, this is how you use it for God's glory. This is how you allow Christ to lead you and use those things for God's glory. So first and foremost, you need to surrender everything over to him. Surrender everything over to him. Next, let him refine you. Let him refine you. After that, follow him and his call for you. After you've done that, be willing to go where the Lord sends you. As hard as that may sound, be willing to go where the Lord sends you. Then last, trust him that whatever situation he placed you in, that will ultimately bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Whatever circumstance he placed you in, that will ultimately bring God glory through Jesus Christ. I need y'all to understand how liberating this is to know that you can come to Christ as you are and that he himself, he will lead you and make out of you what he wants from your life. He deposited greatness in you and he wants to extract that from you so that you that you can be a blessing for all people. All he beckons you to do is to follow him as he leads you into these green pastures. Even if you have to pass through some rocky terrain, just know that he is leading you to a place of promise. And now as we're drawn to a close, I want to remind you that in order to be Jesus' disciple, <laughs> the Lord, he invites us to deny ourselves which means surrender your own authority of your own life over to the Lord Jesus. To take up your cross, which means to be willing to put your own selfish desires to death and even surrender your physical life if the situation called for it. And lastly, follow him. Let him lead you regardless of the circumstance. Then, after we've done these things, we can be effective servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, if this is your first time hearing the message of the cross, I never want to assume that we're all saved. But the Bible teaches us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And because of that sin, the payment for that is death and eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So how do we make that, that eternal life apply to us? It's simple. Romans chapter 10 says that if you would simply believe in your heart and confess in your mouth, that, or confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you will be saved. So again, recognizing our sinful state before the Lord, recognizing that we should be judged. God offered us a plan of salvation by sending his own son. And then when, we, when he died for us on that cross and he rose up three days later, all we have to do is accept that atoning sacrifice and we will be saved from our sins and made right with God. So if that's you, I just want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the things that we've seen. We thank you for the things that we've heard in this series, God. God, we thank you for being with us. We thank you for leading us. God, we thank you for being our great discipler. God, anything that we have done, anything that we continue to do that is contrary to your will, Lord, we pray that, Lord, we will just surrender it over to you. God, help us in our salvation. God, draw us in, even if we aren't saved, draw us in by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. So, Father, we thank you for this series. We pray that it was a blessing. We give your name all glory, all honor, and all praise. And it's in the mighty and it's in the matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Listen, y'all, I love you so much. And I just want to pray that God continues to bless you. And surrender everything in your life over to Christ. And I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Go in peace. God bless you.